did this issue of swatting start? I mean, this is something I didn't hear of until, I don't know, a couple years ago. Am I misremembering here? But it seems like this is something. And explain what it is. Yeah, I, I think it started probably beyond that. Probably five or six years ago is when we, we saw a real uptick. But it's essentially calling in a, a, a false report in order to antagonize or irritate somebody and cause a, a, a huge public safety response to go to a location. And if that's your home and you have cops and firemen and, and ambulances and everything around your home, it's, it's, uh, it's, you can get hurt. Yeah. Because these, these public safety agencies are all running code three lights and siren. And the, the, uh, chances for accidents can go up with that, with the general public. So it's, it's done generally as a prank to people, but it can get very serious and ultimately could cost somebody their life. Well, Brad, I remember watching something. And again, I'm, I've watched a lot of these documentaries on Netflix or something. And there was an instance back East, I think it was gamers or hackers or something. And they called it on someone else. Anyway, long story short, it, re, it resulted in somebody died um, in, in the shooting. And I think about if you get swatted and somebody's doing it for obviously nefarious reasons to, you know, the prank on you or to make your life a living hell. You got all the other folks, the people in the house, the police, the sheriffs, first responders, whatever, who are, their lives are put at risk. And I think about somebody, maybe there's something going on in the fog of night. And, you know, if, if a lot of households are like my household, we're also armed too. And you don't know what's going on. I mean, it's, it's dangerous. Sure. And a lot of times, you know, when the, when law enforcement responds, uh, to a swatting type call or a major incident, it could be that they respond uh, not in uniform. It could be plainclothes officers responding as well. So that adds an element of danger uh, to that response. Uh, the sheriff mentioned, you know, the, the code three response with lights and sirens. Uh, there's speeds involved uh, yeah. that, that could cause uh, a danger to people, either pedestrians or, or other people on the roadway. Uh, you know, like today here in Flagstaff, you see the snow out and the ice on the roads. Uh, that adds another element of, of danger to it. Uh, but the swatting calls can also be used uh, to shift resources of law enforcement to other areas so that people can commit crimes, say, in other areas and uh, sit and watch and see what that response is like. Okay, so. yeah, that makes like a Die Hard with a Vengeance sure. type thing. I, you remember that movie right. where yeah. they were robbing the um, oh, yeah. Federal Reserve or the bank downtown right. and they caused the whole subway explosion? I, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, you could you get everybody. Because yeah. you guys have limited... Uh, whether it's you guys, whether it's Flag PD, whether it's DPS, limited resources. Obviously, I don't. I don't know what the ratio is between citizen and uh, law enforcement, but I imagine it's quite low. It is. You know, it's 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 never never really enough because yeah. uh, depending on where the incident happens, how big it is, uh, the response. You know, you know, especially for an active type shooter, is going to be really everybody goes. Is the swatting thing a where somebody's calling in and saying, "Well, I, I saw, I saw Billy next door, and he's got a gun, and he's hold, you know, do they do things like that, or what have you guys seen in other? Have you had to deal with that here in Coconino County, or what are you hearing from your colleagues if, if that's not the case, if you're not having to deal with it? What what are the, these pranksters or whatever calling well, in on? Uh, fortunately, we haven't had one like that. Okay, but we do occasionally get the bomb threat. Uh, or there's a problem at this residence and it, we, unknown problem with an unknown subject and you don't know what you're going to. Yeah. And uh, 
and you're not able to obtain additional information or the dispatcher's not. So, again, it, you, you know, you're on edge going, and uh, you don't know what to encounter. So uh, you just hope that uh, what, whatever it is it d- doesn't pose a threat to you or anybody else as mm-hmm. you're responding. But we, we don't see a lot of it, thankfully. But um, it doesn't take very much to do one of these kinds of calls, though. Yeah, it, it doesn't. And then what is the – how hard is it to catch these people um, when it does happen? How hard is it to track them down? Because And sometimes this can be even foreign, foreign stuff, I've heard, where, where people are using all different kinds of servers and this and that. I mean, how hard is it to find these people? You know, depending on the, the technology that they use, it, it can be very difficult. It's no different than uh, people that do scamming or, or fraud, fraudulent phone calls that you might get over the phone. Yeah. Um, they do. They have a sophisticated network that they'll use uh, that really at, at this point in time is difficult for us to, to track down. I let me, let me bridge into another subject that since you just mentioned scam phone calls. Because I, I see notifications from Coconino County Sheriff's Office. I see it from Yavapai, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, there's this latest scam going on. People are calling on whatever, right? And to me, I'm thinking, how does this even, how does anybody fall for this at this point? Are, who are they targeting though? What's, is, is that still working where people are doing the phone scams, tech scams? It, it absolutely is. In fact, we've got a new class we put just put together and we're actually uh, rolling it out to all of our senior centers okay. in the county. So we just, uh, in fact, gave one last week to our Flagstaff Senior Center. And I think the, the biggest draw to that, to answer your question, is the, uh, the AI. So... Mm through technology they can actually mimic uh family members voices Ugh. call them on the phone uh especially to seniors they're they're one of our vulnerable vulnerable groups uh for several reasons but they'll call that you'll be a call placed from what they think is their grandchild who might say something like i'm in jail i'm in mexico i need money and uh you know there's several indicators that, that come out through that call that would indicate uh, to to someone that might be a little bit more savvy that that's a fraudulent call, but these folks are making a lot of money doing this, and they're not going to stop them as long as they yeah they're making the money they can make it yeah I think I do remember something a few months back down in the Phoenix area where somebody called and the mom got on the phone and they, the daughter's voice and I've been kidnapped or something right. like that right and right. she finally got some key words that she's like wait this something sounds off but um, I think about it I know you you have kids. You have, yes. you have kids. Um, and I think about like, if I got a call and it was in the voice of your, your children or your grandchildren or whatever. Oh man. I mean, it would, I, I, I just, how do you even train and prepare for that? Uh, even when you're younger, but then if they're targeting seniors and maybe more vulnerable populations, is that what they go who they go after? Or is it just a random barrage of. Sure. Well, they have to do, you know, if they're using, if they're using that AI, they need, they need a little bit of background. Uh, to be able to to find that information that they need, uh, they try to get as much as they can on the on the victim, mm-hmm. and then use it against them. So yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a real common thing right now, and uh, something that we are really having to uh, to focus on as far as. And then we we're putting do. everything out there. You know, everybody's got their whole life story on you know, social on social media, media right? Yes. This is what I ate last night. This is what I did. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And it's like so it becomes easy to to figure it out. I think we had it dialed in in 1999 with technology. I'm going to say, let's go back to that and just, you know, just slow it on down. Is there any legislation? I know, and we'll get to more legislation. You guys have been going down to the Capitol, I guess, to, to lobby for certain things or to maybe lobby against certain things. Is there any discussion 
and at the state level on the AI issue? Uh, 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 there's a lot on AI. Okay. And to, to be specific, uh, we couldn't give that today. Yeah. But there's some legislation about swatting. Oh, where okay. the there's a proposed uh, bill right now to make swatting a class six felony. What does that mean for it means me? it means uh, you get convicted of a felony, you can go to prison. Is that the highest level? Is class no so class one is the highest. Okay, class level, but one cl- is, but a class six is still punishable by time in prison. It's kind of surprising that that isn't like in there now. I mean, like as a, it's a as misdemeanor right now. Oh, yeah, that needs to change. I'm yeah. not a big law guy. Like, we need a new law on top of yeah. another law. But if there's nothing on the books because we didn't really know about this stuff not too long ago. And AI, using AI, mm-hmm. you know, in in, in, in the effort of, of doing that swatting type thing, even you'd think they'd come up with something. Well, in addition to the criminal penalty, they're also looking at, at a as part of this bill, a civil penalty to charge that person for the cost of the response. Okay. The Anti-Defamation League just finished a study on what swatting costs, and uh, they looked at at, uh, Arizona, and it ranged from um, about uh, $800 to as much as $10,000 per swatting call. Per call, so it depends on the response. Depends on the level of response, uh, how many, uh, what happened. Um, any accidents associated with it, and the cost to to the uh, to various government agencies as well as to schools, because schools, uh, churches, were getting the the swatting calls as well. So they suffered a a financial loss as well. Amazing, yeah. And I think even like a doubling of that, say the cost of plus, you know, something. So active legislation on that, yes. on that issue. But the AI issue, we're not sure yet because this is still. This is still really new. Yeah, there's there's so much AI uh, going on, and and again, there's a number of bills dealing with AI, and you know it would really take hours to get into all. Yeah, of them. I think we need something where you can't use someone's likeness um, because again, we didn't anticipate this kind of stuff, and there, there has to be something put in place, and that's the you know uh, the legislative side. I know you guys uh, you guys are the enforcement side, but still. I think it's, it's going to get worse. It's, I don't think it's going to get worse and worse. They're going to use this more and more. Yes. And then you might see issues with especially younger folks and social media is such a, quite frankly, a problem on, on younger side, peer pressure, all of that stuff. I'm, I don't know if you guys are seeing an increase in instances of social media issues with, with youngsters. I mean, are, are you getting calls where things, crazy stuff are happening? Well, you know, a big part of social media goes right back to that mental health issue as well. You got, you know, cyber bullying is what they'll call it, or, or just a lot of uh, harassment going on uh, through social media. Yeah. Yeah. Anymore, you don't have to go to school uh, to find a friend in person. Yeah, uh, that's, now that's now true. your whole identity is, like you said, it's out there on social media. And, but unfortunately, that opens you up to, you know, criminal activity as well as uh, being, uh, you know, basically abused, verbally abused on online. Yeah. I'm, I would say keep your kids away from that's my advice. Keep your kids away from social media. I mean, as, as best as you, it's hard because then there's the pressure there. Um, I got my, my uh, daughter, a phone that you just, you just can't get on it, uh-huh. you know, on the phone. So it's, it's just, it's just something each and each parent's going to have to make that decision. All right, let's get into the fentanyl issues. Uh, I, w- I want to get into the 2024 election. Like I said, uh, some search and rescue issues as well. And if you got any comments, always love hearing from you. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com.
right, welcome back. Your comments always welcome here with uh, Coconino County Sheriff Jim Driscoll, Chief Deputy Sheriff Brett Axland as well. Um, how's the, <laughs> I know the answer to this, but I'm gonna, how's the fentanyl issue going? Oh, well, I mean, it's, it, it's, it is ever present. Yeah. You know, we get weekly uh, and monthly statistics that come in. Half of the fentanyl coming into the United States is coming across the Arizona border from Mexico. Half, Half for the U.S. for the entire <sighs> country is coming through Arizona. Hmm. And it's everywhere. Uh, my colleagues down in, in southern Arizona, the sheriffs down there, every day, they're uh, getting loads of it. They're having uh, the uh, the mules that are forced to haul it across and backpacks across the border. Uh, it's it's absolutely out of control. Yeah. And they're constantly, uh, we, we've sent our own people down there to provide some assistance, some of our deputies. And deputies from throughout the state have gone down there just to assist on the border. Brett, you're seeing this every day as well. Um, I saw an article, uh, Montana's being pushed into now in a big way by the cartels. And you think of Montana, you think rural as rural can be, but Coconino County is that too. There's outside of Flagstaff area, it's, you guys are dealing with the second largest geographic, uh, size County in the nation, but there's a lot of spaces between people and there's a lot of distance that you have to go. Um, what are you seeing though, as far as the fentanyl, how's that popping up when you're, you know, and, and especially with your, your deputies out there? Right. Well, you know, just our location, you know, by nature, uh, being on uh, at the intersection of Interstate 40 and Interstate 17, yeah, that's a major thir- major thoroughfare to the rest of the of, of the country. So, we're seeing a lot of it come up through there. Uh, unfortunately, it also uh, filters then into our neighborhoods in our communities. So, yeah, um, you know, we we are asked all the time, "How are you locally uh, combating that?" and and we are, you know, our answer is the best way, the best way, the most effective way for us to, to, uh, to go after the drugs is through undercover uh, work. Okay. So we use that to identify, you know, where it's coming from, where it's at. And uh, we do have a, a multi-agency uh, narcotics task force that uh, does address that. Uh, we also uh, have recently uh, put in a, a canine unit. Uh, which has uh, been very effective in locating these uh, these drugs as they come through. Uh, they'll operate off of tips. They'll operate off of just uh, skills that they've picked up on the interstates mm-hmm. as well as our roadways. But, um, you know, make no mistake, the drugs don't just go through. They, they There are quite a bit that, that actually land here and, and cause death. Yeah, uh, so really you got fentanyl is, da- uh, is dangerous. You've heard the campaigns that come out, you know, one pill can kill. Um, and, and the others, but really, realistically, this is a, a situation where one pill uh, can can cause the death of someone. Yeah, so you're dealing with the transport issue being 17 and 40, and you're saying half um, half the drugs and the fentanyl in the country is coming to Arizona. So I imagine, I mean, I'm sure some of it's going out in 10 and 8 and et cetera, et cetera, but a lot of it's, it's floating through northern Arizona at massive amounts that we probably couldn't even imagine because I would imagine you're only getting a tiny percentage of this stuff. Yeah, we think so too. Yeah. Yes. We don't, m- most of it gets through and you can't stop every car. You can't, you know, pull over every truck and search. You know, we have rules, laws that we need to follow as well, but uh, it, it is certainly a crisis and it is getting worse. It seems by the day. What action do you see coming? Because, again, back to you've been going down to the Arizona legislature. I mean, I don't know what more laws you can put in on something like fentanyl. Is there something, what's going on there? 
it's uh i i think you're right i think we have the laws in place it's just the resources to enforce the laws mm-hmm. and everyone is stretched thin uh, you know, we've talked before about how hard it is to uh, recruit and retain law enforcement officers now, and this is all part of it. And uh, less resources means less bad guys going yep. to jail. And, and I'm guessing the cartels probably have more resources than you guys. I'm just well, they, make, they make, certainly have more money. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's <laughs> it's probably um, how is the um, you and I spent maybe last year some time talking about retention. Uh, when you're, you, you've got Northern Arizona that's quite expensive in, in a lot of areas. Uh, and I, we've talked about how DPS and other places can, you know, you can get more pay. People can go down to Phoenix, even though Phoenix has gotten a lot more expensive than it used to be, but it's still, it's cheaper than Flagstaff. It's cheaper than, you know, Williams and, and other areas in Northern Arizona. Um, how has retention been and attracting new new deputies and so on and so forth, retaining them and getting new ones? Well, recently we, we put together a team actually that's made up of some of our younger officers uh, to ask them, you know, what what drew you to this this job? Because I mean, let's face it, when we when we were hired, you know, decades ago, uh, the reasons were different why we were attracted to this to this job. Yeah. So, um, you know. This team has gotten together, come up with a lot of different marketing ideas, uh, which have been really effective. Uh, in addition to that, the state's looking at it. You, you talked about the legislature a little bit, uh, but the uh, state has put together a legislative advisory committee work group, which which I've been uh, nominated to be on uh, by the Arizona Sheriff's Association. Uh, and this is a group that has used all three universities in the state to study why are why are or why aren't people either coming to this uh, profession or staying in the profession. So uh, they're, they're in the midst of the study right now. They're putting out the executive reports, but I think, you know, the results are coming out as we expected. It's, it's pay. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the demands of the, of the job. Uh, it's public perception of law enforcement as a whole. So all those things really work against us. Um, so we just need to find a way to turn those around, uh, you know, and, and for us, uh, we've been very successful in, in one division, but in, say, in our detention division, it, it uh, we're, we're still struggling, as is the rest of the state and the rest of the country. Yeah. And and uh, Brett Axlin's with us, Chief Deputy Sheriff of Coconino County, Sheriff Jim Driscoll, Coconino County Sheriff Jim Driscoll as well. Um, Brett, um, how, and Jim, we've talked about this in the past, especially during 2020, for example, um, all the issues that law enforcement dealt with and the public perception issue, uh, it, it was it was brutal. And I think it's been hard to get people to get into a profession where, you know, people are shouting at you and, and people are, you know, every police officer, every sheriff is, uh, is bad. And I know that's not the case. Um, there, there was a couple bad apples that have happened in, in, in law enforcement. And we acknowledge that. I'm sure you guys can. That happens. And then you want to root them out. Um, but that perception for some has still um, persisted. Although I see some cities that were going the defund law enforcement have realized the idiocy of that uh, with massive crime rates, especially over in California. Is it changing? Either one of you guys take this one. Is that perception changing? That hey, we actually need law enforcement. You know. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I think we've we've uh, we've worked so hard at that public trust and yeah. that community support that I think it affected us quite a bit less than it, than it may have other, uh, other departments across, uh, just not, not just our, our nation, but our, but our state as well. 
Um, I'll, you know, I'll tell you a story about uh, a comment that we got from the uh, the Northern Arizona University Police uh, Chief, uh, um, Missy Freshar. Um, she called us a, a few months ago and says, "Hey, you know, your your deputies responded to the to the death of a of a family member uh, lived in Kachina Village, and when they responded, it was it was just a natural death, and they they dealt with the the family inside the home." And even though there wasn't much for the deputies to do, they, mm-hmm. they stopped, they took a timeout, and they asked the family, is there anything else that we can help you with? And this goes back to culture of what you know, what you, what you learn. Um, and, our, and the folks said, you know, I, nothing that, that you could help us with, but we just need to feed our horses. And, and the horses were at a, a remote location. And the deputy said, well, let, me, let, let us help you with that. They went and they fed the horses. They came mm-hmm. back, they, they, the word got out, and it got to the NEU police chief. And a police chief then goes to her own people and says, you know, we have a new saying at our, at our office here. And anytime somebody talks about, you know, not wanting to do something or, or getting into a discussion about what is your job and what isn't your job, she says, we now say, just go feed the horses. <laughs> so nice. kind of a neat, uh, kind of a neat uh, compliment, I think, to, to our folks. But, you know, expectations are that we, we help in any way that we can. Yeah, and I think that's true across the board in, in, in different areas of the country as well, big cities too. But I think it's especially prevalent, especially when you're in smaller communities. I think, I think so. Yeah, it, what Brett mentioned, we, we focus so much on public trust. We cannot be successful if we don't have the trust of the public. And he's right. We did not, I think, suffer the effects of the defund movement like, like other places. Yeah. We work very hard at we work for our community. We exist to serve our, our community. And so we focus every day on, on both enforcement as well as service and maintaining that balance. And that's important, I think, for all law enforcement to focus on. Okay, let's come back and talk. Um, there's a mental health crisis going on. I want to hit on that. Uh, plus, we'll talk about the 2024 election. Brett Axlin's with us, uh, as well as Jim Driscoll. Comments always welcome. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. All right, here with Coconino County Sheriff Jim Driscoll, Chief Deputy Sheriff Brett Axland. Um, hit on a lot already. I wanna, there's, there's definitely a mental health crisis going on in this country. Uh, suicides, all kinds of issues that you're seeing in, this, in the streets. I think that you may be seeing pop up in the news, too, in different clips. And you're like, wow, how does this happen? How, what's going on in society, right? Um, you guys have been dealing, Brett. You've, you've dealt with... Um, and have you dealt with an increase in suicides uh, in Northern Arizona? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we, it used to be years ago that we would go to one or two a week and now it's one or two a shift. Oh, um, and unfortunately uh, these are, these are completed suicides. Mm. Um, so it's really, uh, it's a difficult thing, I think for not just the families, but it's a diff- d- difficult thing for our deputies and our staff to go out and have to deal with these things uh, on a daily basis. Uh, because no matter what happens through that discussion, through that, through that communication that, that we have, they, they make a connection uh, in some way to those folks. So uh, while we are having to deal with it through education in our communities, we're also having to offer assistance to our own staff members uh, that have to go through this. Oh, we'll have to deal with yeah the after sure. um, effects of, of all that and on a such more frequent basis right. that you're seeing. Now you've been, Brett, you've been in this and you mentioned this, you mentioned earlier, Hey, I've, it's changed, you know, over, over time. How, how long have you been in, um, in law enforcement? So I just hit my uh, 28th year with, with the Coconino Sheriff's Office. Um, okay. 
I uh, spent uh, started as a detention officer in the old jail downtown. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, was able to promote to deputy. Uh, worked up in the Page Lake Powell area. Yeah, uh, for twenty years, and then uh, was uh, was asked to be uh, the chief deputy by uh, our, our current sheriff uh, back in two thousand seventeen. So I've been here since then. Okay, so. T- all those years you've been doing this, have you ever seen it like this as far as, let's go back to the mental health crisis, suicide issues. Have you ever seen it like this? I haven't. You know, and it's really, it's caused us as, as an agency, as an organization, to uh, come to terms with how do we now address it with what we have control or what we have influence over. Um, we've got, you know, communities out there that need uh, need help. So what uh, the sheriff has done is started uh uh, or has volunteered our folks to help out with mental f- mental health first aid instruction. I was able to serve with him on the Stronger as One uh, Executive Committee, which is a, a group that uh, addresses mental health in our communities. Um, we have begun teaching that class in our uh, jail, but also to every single employee at, at our office. So it's 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 a heavy lift, mm-hmm. but it's something that we've seen uh, needs to be a priority. That's dealing with the issues. So how do you do that, Bill? Because I think of law enforcement, it's like, okay, if you, when you signed up for this 28 years ago, when you signed up for this, you don't want to say. It's, it's <laughs> decades now. De- decades ago <laughs> when he was 19 or so. Yeah. But anyway, no, when you, when you signed up for this, this probably wasn't even in like, oh, I got to deal with this issue. Or, yeah. I mean, it's, there's been drugs around. There's probably more of dealing with maybe meth. And things sure. like that back then. But I, I mean, how do you even, I guess, how do you, and going back to recruiting, how do you even retract people when all of a sudden it's like, well, I just want to be in law enforcement. I don't want to be a, like a, like a social worker, right. I guess. Right. And I think, and I think, you know, uh, expectations have changed. Mm. And when we talk about changes in law enforcement, um, it, it, it changes daily. It can change daily as far as what's needed from our, our officers that respond to people. So depending on what's needed by our communities, and it's different throughout you know, community to community, even within our own county, um, we have to have our folks trained up to be able to adequately respond to that and be successful. Yeah. Yeah. It's changed a lot though over your time, right? Sheriff? It used to be about enforcement and, and and service, but now we've become uh, de facto social workers. We help, we have to help parents parent their kids. We have to help elderly many times deal with some of the, the, the problems that Brett mentioned early, we have to help families deal with internal problems, and and then we st- you add in the the uh, sex trafficking, you mm. add in the uh, the bullying, the cyber bullying that Brett talked about. We end up d- responding to so many different kinds of calls that are not law enforcement, but who else do you call? Yeah, whole nother world. Whole nother yeah. world to deal with. Um, are there any other legislation issues that you guys are, are looking at and trying to um, get changed here in the state? Yeah, uh, there's a another um, a bill to reinstate a defined benefits program for our detention officers. They lost their pension system back in 2018. It was they just lost it to uh, vote by the legislature. So we as sheriffs. Um, met Monday night in Phoenix with the legislature and uh, testified that we're trying to get that pension system back uh, to our detention officers, which will allow us to recruit and retain these officers. It gives them, when, when we have probation officers and 
and our civilian staff that have a pension system, why not our detention officers? So, because you guys get the defined benefit, and yes. it's what the detention switch to defined contribution they where have they a, have they to have put a, in a different system, okay. a, a primarily a four hundred one k based, but they they lost their their beneficial pension system. Okay, and we're trying to work with the legislature to get that reestablished, um, and it's going to take our our boards of supervisors support as well throughout Arizona budgeting issue and because you guys also the sheriff's office can um, runs runs the jail am I right on that yes right which houses people for the city of Flagstaff give me the rundown on that all law enforcement agencies in the county book okay. into our jail so page federal, federal uh, state uh, city municipal and county so you run in all of that we have it all is it there must be a retention issue for um uh, jail jail guard workers. What, right. What's the word I'm looking for? Right. Detention officers. Detention officers. Detention, Thank you. Yes. Thank you. It's, it slips over time, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> detentions, <laughs> detention officers must be a hard retention issue, even over um, deputies, I would imagine. Yes. We we don't, the, the average, we, we get a year or a little bit more. Oh, and, really? And they move on because there's <laughs> no light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So if we can reestablish that viable pension system for them, uh, we know it will will contribute to retention. Yeah. Okay. Well, good luck. It's um yeah this time of year de- and dealing with the legislature. I have them on all the time, so you you know how that can all the three um, hundreds and hundreds of bills that they're hearing at this point. Yeah, there were I think thirteen hundred. Yeah, as of yesterday, and so. maybe three hundred become law in the right. in the end, something like that. Uh-huh. Um, okay, on to the twenty twenty four election. You are running, Brett, for. Um, to, to replace Sheriff Jim Driscoll, who's, um, I think you were, you were voted like best sheriff or something. Wasn't there something that came out? I'm going to embarrass him now. What, what was right, that? I'll ask you. So, so I'll, I'll talk about it yeah, since yeah, we yeah. know he won't. <laughs> so, uh, last year he was, uh, he was really honored by the Western States Sheriff's Association. So you're talking about a group of 17 states. Yeah. Uh, 4,000 counties. Is that, Wow. So wow. we're talking about a whole lot of counties, uh, and each year they nominate and vote for one sheriff of the year. And and through his years and accomplishments, uh, they had a, a meeting and decided that he was going to be the recipient of that award. So yeah, good no, for other, no other sheriff in Coconino County has ever achieved that. Um, and, you know, we get the benefit of it. Yeah, well, good for you. Once in a while, I get it right. Yeah, so. well, <laughs> go out on a high note here, right? Yeah. And and you're you're so you're you're endorsing Brett. Um, to, to uh, in the 2024 election uh, for, for to become Coconino's next sheriff. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay. So, and he will um, be a great sheriff. Yeah. And you're um, that's, that means a lot. And I, I'll just be, you know, plain spoken here. There's um, I, I didn't vote for a lot of Democrats the last cycle when you were on there <laughs> <laughs> and not to bring politics and all this, but I did vote for Sheriff Driscoll. So that, um, that, that says a lot there. So, and you're running, yep. Uh, Coconino County is a very uh, Democrat-heavy um, sure. county when it comes to the politics of it all. Uh, I am kind of surprised, though. Are you in all the years you've been doing this, uh, Jim? Why do we even have? Um, I, I understand why we have an election because you guys are in a unique position, unlike like police chiefs and this and that. Uh, when it comes to certain issues, I mean, especially constitutional issues, you can really step up. You're your own. You're your own person when you're you're elected to be sheriff, and you can be that. Uh, you're you're directly connected with the, the the people of the county. I think the sheriff is the closest elected official that we have 
throughout the counties in the United States. You know, you can uh, you can elect a sheriff, you can unelect a sheriff pretty easily, yeah. depending on the job that they do. And so answering directly to the people, not through a, a council or a board or other representatives, that direct access and your people are out there every day in those communities and being evaluated and, and, and servicing their, their community. And that's why I, I think being a sheriff is one of the greatest jobs in the world. Yeah. And as I look to, to my uh, chief here, I, I know he will do a phenomenal job, and, and he, he just has the right mindset to do it. Yeah, good. And I, I, I am surprised, though, that it's even a political. Like, I get the election side, but there's certain positions that you're like, like judges, things like that. You're like, why do we even have the um, political side to this? But it is what it is. We, t- and, we take an oath of office to be impartial and to serve everyone. Yeah, and yeah. that's what it's about, not partisanship, not this group or special interest group yeah. or that group it's it's everyone in the county and and if you if you do it right you keep getting reelected well yeah and quite frankly you said 4000 counties or whatever that's, the number well, is there's four, there's there's about that's nationwide. Yeah, okay. So we're to 400, the, I think, in the... Okay, the west. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. what, the, a lot of counties. Yeah, a lot. I would imagine that there's a lot of uh, Democrat sheriffs and a lot of um, uh, Republican sheriffs in that in that bag of, sure. of folks throughout the, throughout the west. So that's that's yeah. a great honor there, and I'm glad you, you've been serving. Thank you for your service. So you want to step in. What, what triggered you here to do it? You know, really, it was uh, just the need, I think, to keep keep the the direction going that it's going um you know for six and a half years i've, I've really had the honor and the blessing to to be mentored by uh the sheriff of the year you know so it's been a an incredible uh journey you know learning new things every single day but but learning uh the job of the sheriff i mean it's, it's yeah. something that i think you, you have to have you have to have a background you have to have the experience in it and the education to be able to to be successful in yeah, in, in this type of a position. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, here's what I'll do. I'll put a link in the podcast. that will come out here later um, for your, your site as well. Um, and we'll hope to have you back on at least one more time before the election coming up. Um, you do have a primary coming up, but there's no other primary challenger, I, I believe, as of yet. Right, right, okay, correct. So, and then on to the general election. Sheriff Driscoll, um, I hope we get you on at least one more time before you uh, head off to go uh, archery hunting, um, fishing, whatever else is on camping your, your camping the bucket Cook, yeah. list and uh, yes. sheriff driscoll's the reason why i found that that great place up in uh, montana and um, um yeah, glacier glacier and some great places yeah. up avalanche, there. Lake. avalanche lake it's oh. a, it's a <laughs> picture upstairs framed up that we all took up there a uh, beautiful place although it's gotten busy there it has you know, it's, they, it's they all busy. have and i i still get up a lot i get to yellowstone quite a bit yeah. to fish too yeah awesome awesome places so enjoy all that but we'll hope we'll look forward to having you back on sheriff driscoll i appreciate it yeah, thank uh, you. chief deputy uh sheriff brett axland appreciate it as well best wishes to you in the election coming up Great, thank you Thanks for watching this video. Thank you to uh, everyone listening on the podcast as well. Do me a favor right now. Please subscribe. I appreciate everybody that's doing it. Subscribe, 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 and share with your friends. If you've already done that, leave a comment. That helps us out a lot, and we'll see you back here real soon.